Good morning, BCC family, FCC family. Uh, glad you are. This morning, I'm Pastor Dion, and hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving season, Thanksgiving day. Uh, maybe you went out Black Friday shopping. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you were doing everything on Cyber Monday online. How are you celebrating uh, Thanksgiving and even Christmas? We're glad that you are doing it with us this morning. Uh, I'm excited because we're in a new series uh, entitled Keeping Christ in Christmas as we're going to go through the Advent uh, holiday season. If you don't know what Advent is, this is where we're going to explain what Advent is uh, as a Christian faith, a Christian belief that we look at the Sundays leading up to uh, Christmas Eve to where we celebrate the, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And so this Sunday, today we have uh, the first Sunday of Advent, and we have somebody who will be preaching. It won't be me, uh, so I'm excited to hear this brother preach this morning. Brother Martin's going to be bringing the word this morning, so I hope you engage with that as well. Make sure you stay to the end of the live stream. We have a video that will be coming, uh, making an announcement about something we're going to do t- together as two churches. Uh, so make sure you, uh, or opportunity we have, make sure you stay around for the end of that. We're going to move into a time of worship this morning. We thank the Turpins for providing worship opportunity for us this morning. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're just going to move into a time of worship, and then Brother Martin's going to come and bring the word afterwards. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are, how much you love us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, how you've loved us so much. God, we thank you for your patience with us, God. God, we thank you that you long to hear from us. You long for us to draw near to you, Lord. And Lord, again, we say thank you. God, we thank you that we're able to come through this time of Thanksgiving, that we got to celebrate this past Thursday and this the season leading up to Thanksgiving, Lord, to be in a spirit of thanks. You've blessed us so much. You've blessed us in so many ways, ways that we know of and on top of our minds in ways that we don't know that you're working in our background for us. God, we say thank you. And God, during this time, during 2020, during this pandemic, how it's gone shaped out, Lord, there's so many things that have gone left or right for us, ups and downs, uh, some victories and some things that we wish would have gone a different way, Lord. We still say thank you. And God, as we move into this time of Advent, Lord, and it's a time where we are anticipating the celebration of Jesus Christ the word becoming flesh, Lord. We ask that during this time that we will celebrate you, that we will celebrate you giving your son to us and for us. And God, as we move into a time of worship, Lord, that we would sing about how indescribable you are, how great you are, Lord. We thank you again that we're able to worship you, meet with us here, and pray for Brother Martin, the words that you have upon his heart, that you would, that will be his, not his words, but your words, and we will learn more about you and ourselves. We give this time to you. It's all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Good morning, good morning. Trust everybody has had a, a good Thanksgiving or is continuing to have a good Thanksgiving break. If you're like me, you're probably on, uh, in a mode of Thanksgiving recovery. All the food we've had, in, in my case, all the pies. Uh, Kelly, my wife, absolutely threw down this week. And it was the first time in, well, ever that it was actually just our family. So certainly this pandemic is changing things for a lot of us, but um, hopefully the attitude, the spirit of Thanksgiving is, is still there, and we're still able to find a lot to be grateful and thankful for. For those who I have not met, I am Martin Blake. I'm the Associate Minister here at FCC, um, and it is an honor to be first up in this Advent series. Um, Advent is something that a, a lot of, of us, if not most of us, have practiced at some point, maybe not consistently, but we've practiced it over the years. But I'm not sure if all of us are on the same page or understand what Advent is. So what is Advent? According to the article, What is Advent? on Christianity.com, the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming. It, it's a translation of the Greek word parousia. Scholars believe that during the, the 4th and 5th centuries in Spain and Gaul, which is modern-day France, um, Advent was a season of preparation. Um, just like Lent is a season of preparation leading up to Easter, Advent was a, a season of preparation leading up to, to Christmas, or, or rather it leading up to a time for baptism for new Christians 
at the, the um, what's called epiphany. Originally, there was little connection between Advent and Christmas. By the 6th century, however, uh, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ. But the coming that they had in mind was not Christ's first coming um, in the manger in Bethlehem, but the second coming was in the clouds as the judge of this world. It was not until the Middle Ages that the Advent season was explicitly linked to Christ's first coming at Christmas. Today, the, the season of Advent lasts for four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Advent symbolizes the present situation of the church in these last days as God's people wait for the return of Christ in glory to consummate his eternal kingdom. The church is in a similar situation to Israel at the end of the Old Testament. They're in a, a season of, of exile. They're waiting and hoping in, in prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Israel looked back to God's past gracious actions on their behalf, leading them out of, of Egypt during the Exodus. And on this basis, they call for God once again to act for them. In the same way, the, the church during Advent looks back upon Christ's coming in celebration, while at the same time, we look forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. Per this article that I read, to, to balance the two elements of remembrance and anticipation, looking back, looking forward, two Sundays in Advent are, are set aside to look forward to Christ's second coming, and two Sundays look back to remember Christ's first coming. While it is difficult to keep in mind in the midst of holiday celebrations, shopping, lights, decorations, all the caroling and, and stuff, um, Advent is intended to be a season of fasting, much like Lent. And there are a variety of ways that this time of, uh, let's call it mourning, works itself out in the season. Reflection on, on the violence, the, the evil, just the state of our world, it causes us to cry out to God to make things right, to put death's dark shadows to flight. Our, our exile in the present makes us look forward to our future exodus and our own sinfulness and our need for grace. It, it, it leads us to pray for the Holy Spirit to renew his working in, in conforming us to the image of Christ. While Advent is certainly a time of celebration, anticipation of Christ's birth, it is actually more than that. It is only in the shadow of Advent that the miracle of Christmas can be fully understood and appreciated. And it is only in the light of Christmas that the Christian life makes any sense. I read about one catechism which describes Advent spiritually, and it, and it described it beautifully. It says, when the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectant expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. By celebrating the precursor's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but I 
must decrease. Christians have embraced Advent, uh, this season of spiritual preparation, by, by using themed Advent readings. This, this sacred time, it invites us to slow down from all the holiday preparations, the parties. It allows us to take a, a deep breath and remember the reason for the season, the eternal Jesus Christ taking on human flesh. As we move forward into this, this Advent season with hopefully a, a better understanding of its, of its intentions and its premise, He, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Let us take time to look at this week's theme, faith. I actually had a, a slide that I wanted to show, but because of, well, technical issues and, and YouTube issues, um, it was a slide from um, Indiana Jones in Last Crusade. And there's a scene coming up on the end of the movie, and, and for all of those who are vintage enough to remember seeing it, um, actually, you know what? Tons of us have gone back and shown our kids, so it's not as vintage as we think. But there's a scene where, where Indiana Jones, his, his, his father got shot and he has to, to, to help his father know how to do that. He has to find the Holy Grail. And he's in the caves and he comes through and, and there's this, this chasm, this hundred foot gap between where he is and where he has to go. And he comes out and he's looking across and it looks like there's no way to get there. He reads in the book that he has in his hand. It says, only in the leap from the lion's head will he prove his worth. And he thinks about it. He thinks about it. And he says, it's a leap of faith. Sean Connery, who, who plays his dad in, in, in the movie, um, you hear him as he's screaming out in pain. He says, you must believe, boy. You must Believe. At that point, we see Indy contemplate, and then we see him take a step. And then there's this bridge, this stone bridge that, that links the two sides of this, of this huge gap. Initially, it couldn't be seen. It, it, in reality, we, I mean, I'm in eye care business, so I understand eyes. He would have been able to see it in reality, but for purposes of the movie, it was this great moment as to what faith is and what a leap of faith is in, in terms of just stepping out. So with that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can, uh, we can get together. And uh, Father, as we jump into to faith this morning, help us, Lord God, to get a better understanding of what faith looks like in our lives. Help us to, to have a better grasp so, so as the world sees us, they will see not faith, our religion, but faith, our trust, and our hope in Christ. Bless our time, Father. Open our hearts, open our minds, and we just give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the years, I have heard many different takes on faith. Um, the argument as to, to how much faith one has whether we can have our faith increase or, or, or decrease. Um, then there's also the matter of faith. Do we either have it or just not have it? For purposes of our, of our message, know that as we talk about faith, we're not talking about the noun 
faith. That is a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. We're actually going to be talking about the, the active noun, the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Our former leader here at FCC, Jeff Steppe, he, um, he used to talk about it in terms of faithing, the, the active faith that is lived out moment by moment. So what is faith? Many of us are familiar with, this, uh, with the passage in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It tells us, now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It is being sure of what we hope for. It is being certain of what we do not see. There are people listed in Hebrews 11 um, who are commended for their faith. The message, it, it puts this passage this way. It reads, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's the firm foundation. It is our handle on what we cannot see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. This act of faith. Paul, um, as he wrote many parts, or two-thirds of the, the New Testament, Paul understood this and he articulated for us in, in Romans 1, 17, says, the righteous will live by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he, he tells us, for we live by faith, not by sight. In Matthew 17, um, there's a story about when Jesus had to, to rebuke the demon that was in this uh, epileptic boy um, who was prone to seizures and, and falling in, into the fire and in, into, into water. Um, the disciples had tried to, 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 to exercise the demon, but they couldn't. And so Jesus had to step in. Later on, um, and pick it up in verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible. Jesus was telling his disciples, and in turn us, that when we live out our faith, when it manifests in our lives, there's nothing that we won't be able to do. Now, don't hear me tell you that we can abandon common sense. That's, that's not what I'm telling you. But through faith, we can accomplish great things as we seek first the kingdom of heaven. As we seek those things that are pleasing to God and, and in accordance with His will. A commentary I read noted that faith helps us turn around and do what is right regardless of our past or the disapproval of others. As a result of their faith, believers over time have been severely mistreated. They've been tortured. Many have even been killed. 
having a steadfast faith in God does not guarantee a happy, carefree life. On the contrary, our faith almost guarantees us some form of abuse from the world. While we are still sojourners, nomads, um, modern-day Hebrews, folks without a home here on this earth, we may never see the purpose of our suffering, but we know that God will keep his promise to us. Knowing and believing that God will keep his promise to us is the, the basis of our faith and action. With God, the end justifies the journey. Paul hoped we would get it when he said that despite what he was going through, and, and, and Paul went through some stuff, right? He did. There are many times that many of us would have wanted to just throw the towel in. But Paul, despite what he was going through, he said to live was for Christ and to die was for Christ. Either way, it was about Christ. That's faith. Can you say that about your lives as you go through the ups and downs that come with living in this fallen world? Better yet, can those around you, to include those who may not know you so well, can they say that about your life? Does your life and how you live testify to the living faith that you have in Christ? Does your life reveal your faith to be real? Do the fruits of the Spirit flow from you? If our faith does not manifest in how we live, then I would challenge the authenticity of one's faith. Ponder what James tells us when he says that faith without deeds or actions is dead. The idea of walking or, or living out our faith is is not something that many of us think about when we think about Christmas. The truth is, we just don't. Now, as we celebrate Christ's birth, we are reminded of the faith of, of Mary and Joseph as, as they believed what the angels said to them. And they did. Key, they did what they were told. We see the faith of the shepherds, the magi, as they travel a great distance to come and see this newborn baby, this baby Jesus. Think about Mary, Jesus' mother. Imagine being a 13 or 14-year-old promised to a young man in marriage. I don't want to think about it for my girls, I mean, and, and, and they're older now. But back in the day, 13, 14, they were at prime age, and they were, they were promised, they were betrothed. They, they, we have to believe that there was some excitement. There just was. You know, her friends were like, oh, Mary, yeah, I mean, there was excitement, right? It was a big deal. Families made all the necessary arrangements, and folks were happy. 
Then all of a sudden, boom, she's pregnant. To be pregnant before being married was, was not a good thing. To make matters worse, it's not even by the person that she's going to marry. Let's, uh, let's take a look at Luke 1. And I'm actually going to read, read this text. So we're going to pick it up in Luke 1, chapter 26, and I'm going to read through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be, a, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived the Son. And this is the sixth month with her who has And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If we're honest, most of us would not have received the news as well as Mary did, or even end up having the same conversation with Gabriel that she did. Most of us would have been like Jacob back in the Old Testament. <laughs> we would be wrestling, fighting with this angel to, to get what we want. So what if I have a limp afterwards? I'm not about to be ridiculed. I'm not about to be possibly stoned for the presumption of adultery. Most of us would have begged for someone else to carry the burden. Not Mary. Her faith in her God caused her to have a, that few, if any, have ever had. I've, I've never been pregnant and I'll never ever be pregnant. But for a lady to be in that state, to willingly take it on, um, there's courage. She knew what her pregnancy meant uh, as far as the community. She knew what people would say, what people would think. But she also knew what her pregnancy meant to God. And she was a soldier for God's cause. Her bravery in the face of her impossible situation caused her to say, may it be to me as you have said. 
How many of us, in the face of our monumental challenges, have an attitude like Mary did? How many of us, when things seem insurmountable, will pick our chins up, puff our chests out, and declare like Mary did, I am the Lord's servant. Oh, she may not have been that enthusiastic. But she declared, I am the Lord's servant. Her faith was as real as it gets. Our takeaway from Mary is that God's best servants are often ordinary people whose faith make them available to him. God's plans involve extraordinary events in the ordinary lives of faithful people. And we also, through her life, see that a person's character and faith are revealed by his or her response to the unexpected. Again, a person's character and faith are revealed by his or her response to the unexpected. Then there's Joseph. Let's flip to Matthew chapter 1. I'll pick it up in verse 18, and I'll read through 24. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, some translations will say a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Joseph's fiance, his wife, just told him that she was pregnant. And someone else was the father. For many of us as men, pride would be the first thing that would show up upon hearing this news. Never mind that you said God did this, but someone else did what? Oh, oh, most of us, many of us, will tell her that she got to go. No, I, we ain't doing this. See ya. Joseph was a better man than most of us. The word says, again, that he was a just man. He was a righteous man. Joseph demonstrated for us that the, the strength of what we believe is measured by how much we are willing to suffer for those beliefs. Remember, he was, he was initially prepared 
to do what was right, despite the pain that he knew it would cause. He was going to divorce her. It was, it was not going to, to look well for her in, in the community. But because it was right, he was prepared to do it. But not only did he want to do the right thing, he wanted to do the right thing with justice and love. So he resolved to do it quietly. God had to intervene. He sent an angel to, to talk to him. Despite the humiliation of, of marrying a pregnant, adulterous woman, Joseph was obedient. He was a man of integrity and a person sensitive to God's guidance. And because of his faith, was willing to do God's will, no matter what the consequence. Put yourself in Joseph's position. Think about how, how in the flesh he struggled. Just think about the, the initial doubts, the fear, all those feelings that come with the news that he just received. Think of the range of emotions that he went through. Despite that, God honored his integrity. Joseph's actions reveal that social position is of, of little importance when God chooses to use us. And that by being obedient to the guidance we have from God, it leads to more guidance from God. <coughs> Excuse me. A good problem. The more we get guidance from God, the more guidance we get. It just makes sense. Joseph also showed us that feelings are not accurate measures of the rightness or wrongness of an action. Faith determines our actions. For Joseph, his obedience, which was a function of his faith, it revealed the fruits of the Spirit that existed in before, long before Paul could explain them to us in Galatians 5. Based on how Joseph was, God empowered him. He gave him the, the necessary wherewithal to be Jesus' chosen earthly father. See, faith has a big part in the totality of the Christmas story. We get it with Mary. We get it with Joseph. How about the Magi? These wise men. We, we don't know a lot about them, but we do know that they were learned men of high position. And we know that they traveled thousands of miles to see the king of the Jews. It wasn't enough for them that they had the knowledge. They had the the, the, the wherewithal, the, they had everything that it took to accurately pinpoint when and where the king was born. They had a faith that compelled them to go in search of baby Jesus. There may have been other people in their ranks, because again, we don't know how many wise men came. Right? We don't know how large the group of wise men 
initially was. So I have to believe that there were, there were others in their ranks who thought that those who left, that they were crazy. That they were going on this, this journey, this thousand mile journey with no guarantee that it'd be successful. A bunch of, a bunch of their peers probably thought that this was all just a waste of time. Now, they weren't driving, you know, souped up sports cars that, you know, help them get to where they need to be at 150 miles per hour. They were doing this on camels and, and donkeys. So thousands of miles took a long time. So some of their peers thought, dudes, y'all are wasting way too much time. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Those who went, those wise men who made that, that, that trek to Bethlehem, they received a message from God and they responded. Keep in mind that they're more than likely, they, they, they weren't even Jewish. They weren't Israelites. They weren't from the tribe. But God still used them anyway. When these wise men, when they found Jesus, they responded with joy, with worship, and with gifts. Their faith drove them in search of Jesus instead of waiting. And, and they could have, they could have waited for years to say, told you so, we knew it all along. We knew that was the guy. They could have sat back wherever they were and just said so years later, but their faith drove them forward. Their role in the Christmas story serves to point out that God can use anyone he chooses from whatever background to accomplish his goals. He can even use those people who seem like a, a long stretch for our brains. But as long as they have faithful and willing hearts, God can use whoever he chooses. We have no idea if these wise men even served Jesus for the remainder of their lives. But what we do know is that they responded to God's call and his message when they received it. It's no different in 2020. How do we respond or how will we respond when God calls us or tries to get our attention? See, our faith is not about us. Our hope and our confidence is not about us. I would go so far as to say that our faith is not even about our own individual salvation. While that is true, and again, make no question, we have to have faith for our salvation. Our faith is about something much bigger. It is all about the kingdom of heaven. Our faith serves a greater purpose. Yesterday, I had to be sitting at, uh, at my dining table and I was looking outside these bushes right outside of our window and I was just watching the wind blowing through the leaves and the bushes and I thought about how cool it was that the leaves were just moving 
And we just know it's because the wind, which we can't see. We just know it's there. Then I thought about our faith. Not our religion, but our active faith. For those of us who have chosen to be on this God journey, people should be able to, to look at us and see our faith and know it's our faith. Just like we can look outside and see moving leaves and know it's the wind. People should be able to look at us and know it's our faith that compels us to do what we do. We have the benefit of hindsight. But as we look at Mary, Joseph, and the Magi, we can see their faith and, and say that they understood that there was a, a much bigger picture than what was right in front of them. Their faith allowed them to be willing participants in the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. We are beneficiaries of their faith. And hopefully, hopefully in years to come, there will be the others who will be able to say that about our faith. The preparation for the coming Christ began with steps of faith. Just like that clip that we didn't see from Indiana Jones, it began with leaps of faith. As people be believed and did on the line, did what God told them. The same is true as we prepare for his second coming. While we traditionally practice Advent at, at Christmas time, it's actually applicable all year as we maintain a posture of waiting for Christ's return. Because remember, we don't know when it is. We only believe it's coming, but we don't know when it is. So our posture is in a perpetual state of waiting. It is between the fulfilled promise of Christ's first coming and the yet-to-be-fulfilled promise of his second coming that a gentleman by the name of Karl Barth penned these words. Unfulfilled and fulfilled promise are related to each other as are dawn and sunrise. Both promise and in fact, the same promise. If anywhere at all, then it is precisely in the light of the coming of Christ that faith has become Advent faith, the expectation of future revelation. But faith knows for whom and for what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold to the fulfilled promise. The promise for Israel and the promise for the church is Jesus Christ. He has come and he will come again. This is the essence of Advent and the basis of our faith. As I wrap up, I want to leave you with this from the same article on Advent that I read. Prayer 
is a wonderful way to help cut away from distractions of the season and, and open our hearts to prepare for the joy and hope of Christ's birth. There's a sample prayer from Renee Swope. She's with Proverbs 31 Ministries. And it's entitled, The Manger of My Heart. Ponder it. Use it during the season to focus your heart and mind on the birth of Jesus Christ. It goes, This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of my heart. Fill me with your presence from the very start. As I prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, remind me of the gift you gave when you sent your Son from heaven. The first Christmas gift, it was the greatest gift ever. You came as a baby born in a manger. Wrapped like the gifts I find under my tree, waiting to be opened to reveal your love to me. Restore to me the wonder that came with Jesus' birth when he left the riches of heaven and wrapped himself in rags of earth. Emmanuel, God with us, your presence came that night and angels announced, into your darkness God brings his light. Do not be afraid, they said to shepherds in the field. Speak to my heart today, Lord, and help me to yield. Make me like those shepherd boys, obedient to your call, setting distractions and words aside. To you, I surrender them all. Surround me with your presence, Lord. I long to hear your voice. Clear my mind of countless concerns and all the holiday noise. Slow me down this Christmas. Let me not be in a rush. In the midst of parties and planning, I want to feel your hush. This Christmas, Jesus, come to the manger of my heart. Invade my soul like Bethlehem, bringing peace to every part. Dwell within and around me as I unwrap your presence each day. Keep me close to you, Lord. It's in your wonderful name I pray. Now let's worship, and then Dion will, be, uh, will close us out. Thank you.
That was awesome. Thank you, Brother Martin, for delivering that word of faith. And, uh, as I was listening, it was convicting me and loved to see faith through all the Christmas story. And hopefully it encouraged you as well. We want to give you an opportunity to give as an extension of your worship. Uh, and so we say you don't give to a church, you give through a church. And so if you're a regular attendant or a member of Bowie City or a First Christian, you have opportunities to give. You can go to both our websites, no matter which one. And you can go to there to give and give there directly on the website. Uh, you can download the app called Tithely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y, and download the app there uh, and look for Bowie City Church. And you can give there online. Or you can give traditional if you want to mail in your check. You can uh, go to the church website, either church website, and the mailing address is at the bottom of 
the website. Uh, but this is an extension of your worship. We are giving to churches and, uh, and families in need, uh, especially to the Bowie Food Pantry. We'll be giving gift cards to them so they can disperse to those families in need uh, during this holiday season. So know that it doesn't go, all the money does not go to me or any other pastor speakers or none of this stuff. It really goes to help those in need uh, to, uh, in this holiday season. So make sure you uh, you do that. And we'll give, also give you an opportunity to uh, to engage in a uh, activity that we're going to do, uh, opportunity for both churches. I'm going to give announcements. Don't leave. There's an announcement after that about uh, hope for the holidays. Uh, so there's going to be a video announcement for that. But before we go there, I want to make sure that you know that you can go uh, to our our webpage, we're working on the same thing for, for CCF, that you can go to their webpage and you can go right to bluecitychurch.com, go to the online, and you can look at the video or live stream right there on YouTube live. Just click it and it'll go live there also on Facebook. So we're looking to do it on both churches. Uh, so uh, we're glad we had YouTube working this morning and Facebook working, which was great. Uh, thank you to all the technical people, some here, some at home, uh, but thank you for making that work. Um, but we do want to extend an opportunity to to partake in an event that we're going to be doing this Saturday, December 5th, called Hope for the Holidays. Uh, and so I'm thankful for Emma Johnson for leading that. So we're going to have this video announcement, and then that will be the end of the service. And if you need information about Hope for the Holidays, please, uh, you can we'll send an email out to both churches, and you need information, just uh, hit us back, and we will... Be with you. We'll see you next Sunday as we continue on our Advent series. God bless. Hello, everyone, BCC family and FCC family. I'm Pastor Dione, and I have a guest over here, Emma Johnson, and we are excited to bring an opportunity to the church, both churches, to partake in this holiday season. Emma is spearing here at this, so I'm going to turn it to her, and she's going to give us what we can do as a family this holiday season. Hey guys, I'm Emma Johnson, and I'm excited to announce that on Saturday, December 5th, I'll be leading a church event called Hope for the Holidays Workshop and Watch Party. So Hope for the Holidays is a seasonal event that was started by LIRS, the Lutheran Immigrant and Refugee Service. It's a nonprofit religious organization that assists immigrants and refugees living in the United States. And the purpose of Hope for the Holidays is to bring hope to those who feel like their situation is hopeless. So this year, unfortunately, there will be thousands of men, women, and children who will be spending the holiday season behind bars um, in more than 200 immigration detention centers throughout the United States. Um, and the living accommodations in these detention centers are unbearable, and some of them, they are very unbearable, um, especially with COVID-19 on the rise now. And many have lost hope that they'll enter the United States and escape persecution they face back home. So Hope for the Holidays, what we'll be doing is providing some love and encouragement for those who feel like they're hopeless right now by creating Christmas cards um, and sending them out to these people, the people living in these detention centers. And we're gonna do that in the Hope for Holidays workshop and watch party, which is on Saturday, December 5th. It's from two o'clock to three o'clock PM on Zoom. It's totally virtual. It's an hour long. The first 30 minutes will be the workshop where I'll talk a bit about the detention centers, how God calls us to love immigrants and refugees, and I'll give tips on how to make your card. And then the rest of the time, the remaining time will be us watching, it's a, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas movie while we make our cards. 
Um, even though the event's on Saturday, participants have until Sunday on December 7th to make their cards. So you have from Saturday, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not uh, Sunday, Monday, December 7th. So from Saturday to Monday, you can make your card and either drop it off at my house, I'll provide an address, or you can provide your address and I'll pick up the cards. And then once I have them all collected, I'll put them in an envelope and send them to LIRS's headquarters in Baltimore and they'll distribute the cards to the detention centers. So you can register online. Um, there's a link where you can go to a Google form, register, and then once you do, you'll get an email with the event Zoom link and important information um, like this Spanish translation card. So a lot of the people who will be receiving these cards speak Spanish. Um, so LIRS asks that we write our messages in English and in Spanish as well. And if you don't know Spanish, that's okay. That's what this card is for. You can write your message word for word. Or during the watch party, you can message me through the Zoom chat and I'll provide a translation for your message. Um, and if you know French, you can put a French message too. Some people will be receiving these speaking French. Um, so Hope for the Holidays workshop and watch party, December 5th from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock on Zoom. And I hope to see you there. Awesome. My family's going to particip participate in this event, looking for ways to reach out to those outside of our circle, outside of our neighborhood, who are in need of some hope, but also in need of love and, and Christ. So we're going to do that. Thank you, Emma, for spearheading this and putting this together. I think this will be an awesome opportunity to do this as church families together in your own home to reach out to those in need. So you need the website again. Uh, it's going to be on the screen. And uh, if you have any questions, you can email me at dion at buoycitychurch.com or you can message Emma, Emma Johnson. Uh, she's one in Bowie, Maryland. You can look her up on Facebook. Um, but we also can give you her email address as well. Uh, we hope you guys participate in this and we look forward to uh, doing this together. We are uh, looking forward to the scripture season. So this is awesome. Thank you, Emma. We're looking Thank to you. spread hope. And uh, this will be awesome.